0: Welcome everyone. We're so happy that you've joined us today. I, I'm thankful that we can still connect online even though we've got the, the hazardous road conditions where we weren't able to meet uh, face-to-face at our at our campuses. We could still get together here, connect online. We have so many that connect with us online each week. We're glad you're connecting again with us this week we are in a series called Breaking Bad Habits. And so far in this series, we talked in week one about how we can have prideful habits that can be destructive and get us outside of God's will because of our pride. Last week, we talked about how uh, habits of anger, uh, responding out of anger can really cause us to make very bad decisions. We can hurt other people, hurt ourselves, hurt our, our ability to be the witness that God wants us to be. Today we're going to be talking about excuses and how we oftentimes will make excuses about why we can't be changed or transformed the way God calls us to be. And preparing for the message, I, I went online and I, I looked up excuses. And I looked specifically at uh, a list of car claims where there were accidents in cars and the excuses that the drivers made for the accidents. So I want to share 10 of those with you that actually appeared on on their claims forms. One of them said this, I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law and headed over the embankment. Uh, I don't know about what that says about his mother-in-law, but that was the excuse he had for having the wreck. Another one said, I thought my window was down, but I found out it was up when I put my head through it. That's a bad way to find out your window wasn't down. Another one said, the other car collided with mine without giving me warning of its intention. Well, in most accidents, they don't give you warning of the intention, that's for sure. Another one wrote this, to avoid hitting the bumper of the car in front of me, I struck a pedestrian. I think between the two choices, maybe you should have gone with the bumper, not the person. Here's one I really like too. Going to work at seven o'clock this morning, I drove out of my driveway straight into a bus, but the bus was five minutes early. (laughs) That was a good excuse for running right into the bus. Here's another one. My car was legally parked as it backed into another vehicle. That doesn't quite make sense. If it was parked, it wouldn't have been backing into another vehicle. This one said, I told the police that I was not injured, but on removing my hat, I found that I had a fractured skull. You would think he would have noticed that before removing his hat. This one said, I didn't think the speed limit applied after midnight. (laughs) I think the speed limit's there all the time for our protection. This guy wrote this on the claim. The windshield is broken, cause unknown, probably voodoo. (laughs) I don't know about voodoo. I don't think you should play around with it, but I don't think we should use it as an excuse for an insurance claim. And finally, the last one said this. No one was to blame for the accident. But it would have never happened if the other driver had been paying attention. So I think he is saying somebody was to blame. You see, we all like to cast blame on others or make excuses for ourselves. And it's nothing new. We find this over and over again in Scripture, how we as human beings tend to try to excuse ourselves from what God wants or God teaches or God commands. One example is found in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus was telling some stories that we call parables. And one of those stories is referred to as the the parable of the story of the talents or the bags of gold. In this story, Jesus sets it up this way. There's a certain man that's going on a journey. He's a well-to-do person. And he's got these servants that he entrusts with some money while he's gone to manage the money for him. To one servant, he gave five bags of gold. To another, he gave two. And to another, he gave one. In Matthew 25, he begins telling this story in verse 14. This man goes on the journey. While he's gone, the one with the five bags of gold puts it to work and gains five more. When the guy comes back, he he brings the guy in and says, well, what happened with the money? He said, well, I had five. I worked and gained five more. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, then... The one with the two bags of gold went out and worked with it, gained two more. Same thing. He came back, he said, uh, Give me a report. He said, Well, I had two, I gained two more for you. He said, Well done. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll, I'll put you in charge of many things. But, but the one I want to focus on here is the one that only got the one bag of gold. And, and he said he awarded them or gave them these amounts based on their abilities or their talents already, their, their level of management skills. He gave them different amounts. And so this one, he gave one bag of gold to. When he got back, he, he only had the one bag of gold that he started with. So I want to look at this in, in Matthew 25, beginning with verse 24. It says this, the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Already, see, he makes this excuse. I was afraid. I knew you were a hard man. I didn't go do anything with the money because I was afraid. He's making an excuse for why he didn't do it. Now, how does the master respond to that excuse? That's important for us to know because the master in this story represents God and the servants, that's us. The the ones who were given the stewardship of this gold, that's us. So how does God, how does the master respond to this excuse that he gives? Well, in verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown, gather where I've not gathered uh, scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. He says that's not a good excuse that you didn't do anything. You didn't even try. So he says in verse 28, Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We better think seriously about making excuses for not listening to what God is calling us to do, teaching us to do in his word. Those excuses don't stand up when when we understand that if God is calling us to it, if God is teaching it, if his word says, this is what I want you to do, we need to trust that God will be with us, help us with that, provide what we need to do The obedient thing that God has called us to do so in the time we have left I want us to look at four steps we see in scripture that we can all take to get rid of those lame excuses put ourselves back in God's will and obedience to what he's calling us to do so the first step is this we need to start the process of replacing our fears with faith replace your fears with faith In Hebrews 11, 1, we have uh, sometimes called a definition of faith. It's not all encompassing, but it says this about faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's saying you can have confidence in advance of seeing the outcome of seeing the results of seeing uh, the provision that's not there yet on the front end if you have the kind of faith God wants you to have you can move forward as if it's a certainty even when you don't yet see the fulfillment of it when we make the excuse like this guy did I was afraid to try anything what we're saying is, is God I don't have enough faith in you to step out and do what you're asking me to do So we've got to stop making that excuse. It's not a good excuse. Well, well, how do we develop more faith? Well, the scripture teaches us something about the process of growing in our faith. In Romans 10 and verse 17, it says this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. People are telling me all the time, Pastor, I just wish I had more faith, stronger faith, greater faith. And, And the process the scripture teaches about getting stronger, greater faith is the process of reading the word, hearing the message learning about God and how he's been faithful to keep every promise he's ever made. How every time he's called his people to take steps of faith, he's provided for them. He's he's answered their prayers. He's delivered them every time he promised he would do something, he's done it. So as you learn those things and you begin to be obedient to those things he's calling you to do, you discover that his words are true and your faith gets stronger and stronger through the process. You see, faith comes from hearing the testimony, seeing the testimony, realizing that God is the faithful God of scripture, and he's the same God today for you and for me that he was then. So our faith gets stronger as we learn more about God's faithfulness to his people. Then we can put more faith and trust in him as the God who keeps his promises. So step one, replace your fears with faith. Instead of being afraid to try what God is telling you to do in his word, teaching you to do, step out and take that first step of faith and see God be faithful to you when you take those steps. You don't know his faithfulness until you take the steps that depend on his faithfulness. That's what faith is all about. So replace your fears with faith. Well, the second step is one that is is so important, and that is we have to learn to stop blaming others. That's one of the, the worst things we could do in our excuse making is blame everything, every bad thing, every, everything we don't do to be obedient to God, the things that we do that aren't in obedience to God. We blame other people for those bad decisions, for those uh, steps we take that we shouldn't or steps we don't take that we should. That's as old as history. It's been going on the whole time, all throughout history, all the way back in Genesis you know the story, I'm sure, of Adam and Eve. God had told them not to eat the fruit from that one tree. He said, you can eat fruit from all these. Other... There's plenty of other trees, plenty of fruit. It's not a lack of fruit. You can eat all this other fruit from all these other trees, but this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat the fruit from that tree or you'll surely, surely die. Well, you know that the serpent came and, and talked to Eve and deceived her and she ate that fruit. And then and then she gave some to Adam and he ate that fruit. Well, God is confronting them after they ate the fruit there in the garden. It says that God was walking in the garden and Adam heard his footsteps in the garden and they went and hid among the trees in the garden as if you could hide from God. Uh, and, and that it led them to that place where they were scared to face God because they knew they had been disobedient. To him, Well, God approaches them there in the garden, and it's, uh, it says uh, Adam said that he hid because he was afraid because they realized they were naked after they ate the fruit. They had that knowledge now of good and evil, and they felt shame for their nakedness, and they were trying to cover their nakedness and hide from God. Well, it says in verse 12, the man said, after God confronted him, did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. (laughs) Adam knew he had done the wrong thing, but his first response is blame somebody else. It's Eve's fault, God. And he's implying it's not just Eve's fault. It's even partly God's fault because God's the one who put the woman there with him. You see, it was just Adam to start with and God saw that it wasn't good for him to be alone and he gave him Eve as a helper, as a partner there in the garden. And now God uh, is, Adam is trying to twist it around on God and say, God, it's really kind of your fault because you gave me the woman and she's the one that gave me the fruit and that's why I ate it. He's blaming Eve and he's blaming God way you think well Eve gets a short end of that that's not very good for him to do that with her but Eve is also trying to cast blame look at uh, verse 13 again it says the woman said the serpent deceived me and I ate not my fault God I mean, she's implying too, right? The serpent, God created everything. So the serpent's obviously there because God put the serpent there and the serpent deceived me, God. And that's why I ate. You see, when we're disobedient, when we're outside of God's will, we come up with these rationalizations and excuses as to why we did it or why it's okay that we did it or why we should be excused or why we, we shouldn't be held accountable for it. We make up or, or create these ideas in our head that in our case, it's okay. And we blame other people or blame other circumstances for why we've been disobedient to God. Well, if you know the story with Adam and Eve, you know that it, It carried on forever because God did not accept those excuses as valid. Instead, he said, there's going to be a curse because of your sin and your disobedience. That curse was given to Adam. It was given to Eve. It was given to the serpent. It was given to the garden itself and all of creation. We've all since then had to live under the curse of sin and disobedience. You see, the excuse didn't make it okay. And the excuses we make to God for not trying, for not being obedient, for rejecting his clear teaching in his word, those excuses and that, that idea of trying to blame other people to excuse us from our sin, it doesn't work with God today either. So we've got to learn to stop blaming others. Remember what that servant did that had the one bag of gold and that parable that we started with? He made excuses and he blamed the owner who entrusted him with the gold. He said, you are a hard man, and I know, you know, I, I was afraid to go out and even try. I didn't want to mess up anything because I knew how hard you'd be on me, so I didn't even try. I, I just held on to the gold, and here's, here it is back to you again. And he said, the least you could have done was put it in deposit, on deposit on the bank where I could have gotten some interest on it, gotten some benefit from it. You see, he didn't accept the excuse. He didn't accept the blame that it was his fault the guy had not tried to do what he needed to do to be a good steward. We're going to be held accountable before God, too, with our lives, our talents, our resources, our opportunities. We can't be blaming others for not doing what God has called us to do. So let's replace our fear with faith and let's stop blaming others. And that leads to the next step, which is while we're trying to to grow in our faith, we need to get our eyes set on Jesus. We need to focus on Jesus. Jesus. Hebrews 12, that chapter starts with these words, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When we focus on Jesus, we're getting our eyes off of ourselves. It's a good start. When we focus on Jesus, we're not looking at other people to blame. When we focus on Jesus, we're seeing the one who is the source of our faith, of our confidence, of our provision, of the wisdom that He wants to give us. He's the source of wisdom on how life needs to be lived. When you're focused on Jesus and you see His example where He didn't make excuses. He he was obedient to the Father and it led Him to the cross and He followed through with that sacrifice that He made there. When we focus on Jesus, we see the example of the one we can put our hope and our trust in. One whose, whose love for us never fails. One who who went to the extreme to show us his love and his commitment to us. We don't have to be afraid when we put our trust and our eyes on Jesus. And he can embolden us then to to follow after him and taking the steps that God has called us to take. Just like he obeyed the Father and the will of the Father in the steps that he took. Paul said in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has a plan and a purpose for you and for me, for our lives. We're not just here by chance. We're not just, just randomly going through life here. God has a plan and a purpose for the good things he, he prepared in advance for you to do, for me to do while we're here. We can miss that if we just keep making excuses. Why we don't want to commit to Jesus, why we don't want to follow his teaching, why, why we think we'll do it the way the world says instead of the way God says. If we keep making those excuses, we miss out on the adventure of fulfilling all the good stuff God put us here to do. I don't want you to miss it and I know God doesn't want you to miss it. That's why it's so important that we start trusting Jesus enough that we quit making excuses We commit to Him. We put our eyes on Him. We follow after Him so that we can fulfill God's plan and purpose for our lives while we're here. And when we do that, it affects eternity in the way God wants our lives to affect eternity. You can affect eternity by your walk of obedience when you quit making excuses and start walking in the will of God in your life. That leads to the last step, which is to simply keep moving forward. You replace your fear with faith, right? You start there. You you know that the, the next step is, let's quit blaming other people. There's no reason to do that. Instead, let's focus on Jesus. And when we're focused on Jesus, we keep our eyes on him while we take that next step and that next step and that next step that he's calling you to take. One step at a time, he's calling you to take. He's calling on us to, to take one step at a time because if we truly put our faith in Him, we have to put that faith in action. That's what faith is. I love how James talks about that. In James chapter 2, verse 14, he says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, he says, faith by itself if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. You keep making excuses and not taking those steps, it means you don't truly have faith. You don't truly have enough faith to just take that step of obedience that he's calling for you to take. For some of you, it may be to take that first step to make Jesus the Lord of your life to profess the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior, to be obedient then in that step he calls us all to take if we want to be a disciple is to be baptized into Christ, be washed clean and start that new life or following after his teachings. Maybe that's where you are and that's the first step of faith you need to take today. If you are thinking about a decision like that, please message us, call our office, we'll follow up with you. We'll be happy to help lead you and guide you the steps that God is calling you to take. It may be that you don't have a church home that you're a part of and you need to connect with a church family and we want to help you with that step. It may be that you're already a follower of Jesus, maybe already a part of a church family, but but you've been making excuses as to why you can't serve or you can't give or you can't do this or that that you know the word clearly teaches you to do. Let's replace that fear with faith. Let's get your eyes focused on Jesus. Don't blame anybody else or anything else for not doing it. Just, just get your eyes where they need to be and take that first step of obedience in that area that you know you haven't been trusting God in. You can start today with those steps. I want you to understand that when you start those steps of faith, It doesn't happen all at once. You're not going to perfectly follow God's will every step of the way. There are going to be two steps forward, sometimes one step back. But God's grace is there for you when you take the steps in faith. And God's provision is there for you. Even when you've messed up, you can get back on track again. You can start back in the right direction again. I love the Apostle Paul talked about in Philippians 3, this this process that we go through, that he was going through. Beginning with verse 13, he says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that today... You've called us to take steps of faith, whether it's to accept Jesus and follow after him for the very first time, whether it's to commit to a church family somewhere and get involved and serve there, whether it's to to become obedient in an area that we've we've held back and not really responded in obedience to what you've called us to do. Whatever the place is, or the step is, Father, we know that by your grace, by the power of your spirit and your presence, we can trust you so that we can step out today to follow after your will in our lives. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.